Welcome to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. Yara is the global leader in crop nutrition knowledge and a producer of quality fertilizer products. Grow the future with Yara. Hello and welcome to a podcast I had thought I'd be doing a month ago until the weather intervened. It's about sugar beet and potatoes, two important field crops, but crops that are generally about four weeks behind at the moment. With me is Lincolnshire-based Phil Burrell, Yara's product manager for the company's Yara Vita range across Britain and Ireland. Phil, let's begin by discussing that planting delay and the problems it's raising. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable, really, Ken. You know, we, we've we've had complete reversals of, of last year. Um, last year, we had two very, very dry months in March and, and April, and this year it's just continued. And, and it's even continued into May. I think that, that that's the thing that we've... We've all thought at some point we're going to get a break in this weather. But we, we we went from a very, very dry February. And I know when we've spoken through various podcasts this spring, we then went into the, the wettest March for 40 years. April was not a lot better. Uh, and the first two weeks in May have, have been the same. And there's been very localised areas of cloudburst where uh, serious amounts of rainfall have dropped in any given time but fundamentally what this has, has has meant is those spring crops so the root crops potatoes and sugar beet have been drilled much much later and actually into into often poorer seed beds than would generally be required for those crops yeah i've seen it myself seed beds which you know the crop had to go in the ground and it's not ideal but we've not had enough periods of dry to actually get good quality seabeds or or seabeds to the standard we would normally like and sure. and, and that that's going to have an impact on crop growth i'm 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 sure well i suppose sugar beet faces the biggest challenge the less able crops are to maximize the use of sunlight i suppose the more costly the results yeah sugar beet we, we always we always laugh and, and no matter what county you're in in the east you know lincolnshire i'm in lincolnshire we always say it should meet across the, the row by the time of the county show which for us um is second third week in june well i can tell you this year it's not going to happen um and whilst that's that can be a bit jovial and, and people think it's not that technical it, it actually is technical because it's all about getting that canopy built for maximum size to then utilize sunlight because all with the sugar beet crop we're doing is we're taking solar radiation and pumping it into sugar yield that's all we're doing um and we need to maximize that that solar radiation so we need a big canopy going into the summer the other thing is with all these late plantings we've got to accept it could have a real knock-on impact for next year's cropping plans too so where we were thinking we could follow you know lift sugar beet relatively early and get and get in a winter wheat crop in good time that might not happen because the logic says we're going to have to leave the crop in the ground longer because the growing period has got to be the same for, for yield and, and sugar content. So we could end up leaving the crop in the ground longer, which then can have an impact on, on drilling autumn cereals. On top of which, you get the additional well-known soil damage that from, the, from harvesting in unsuitable conditions. And although that has a knock-on effect every year and an economic effect every year, that's increasingly going to be something that uh, the reg regulators and so on are going to worry about because farmers are going to be judged on their soil quality. Definitely. And I, I think, you know, the combinations of we've had to go on the land and do some cultivations, maybe not how we wanted it in the spring, uh, to get the crop in the ground. Um, 
yeah, at the minute, I, we just hope, let's hope we have a good a good back end because both sugar beet and potatoes are going to have to be in the ground longer to maximise yield, which we all know lifting potatoes in November can be a challenge um, and sugar beet throughout the winter. So, yeah, soil structure is at, is at risk as we currently stand here today. We, we have to factor that in. But on the other hand, um, with this delay, you want farmers to presumably have to carry on with their nutrition programme, although they have to look at their strategy, their nutrition programme has to carry on. Yep, I think the, the nutrition programme has to carry on. It probably needs adapting. Um, fundamentally, again, if we think of the crop, we we need to, to maximise that sunlight. So more than ever, we do not want, we, we need to ensure no nutrients are lacking so we can optimise growth. Um, and the other thing, you know, let's focus in on sugar beet. We're going to end up then having to control weeds with herbicide programs, which also we know can actually slow crop growth. Because if we get in a position where we have to put on big herbicide mixes in combination with crop oil um, to, to hop the herbicide up on the weeds, it, it can also have a negative impact on the crop. So that needs to be addressed. And, and I think it's something that that is going to be critical this year because we, we we go back to what we said at the start. We cannot slow that crop growth down. We've got to get that canopy built as quickly as we can to maximise that summer sun. And that would mean what in terms of the top ups? For me, I would take a very proactive approach on nutrition, just like we recommend in any crop. So what that means is, is make sure those key let's focus on the micronutrients for, for sugar beet yeah nitrogen things like that then then i wouldn't be delaying you know normally we put x amount in the seedbed and then get, get the rest on um a, as soon as possible I, I, I do not delay that nitrogen get that on because it's got to be there for when that crop growth kicks off then when it comes to micronutrients take a proactive approach we know which micronutrients are key for the sugar beet crop things like boron which can prevent heart rot um, and then when it comes to that green canopy, it's it's manganese and magnesium and, and calcium can all have an impact. So so for us, um, utilizing a multinutrient, although it's was designed for the orseed rate crop, things like Brassitrel Pro contain all those nutrients. And the benefit for the farmer this year is it's all those nutrients in one can. So if we do get into a period where we're having to to go go with herbicides, it it leads to better tank mixing. But do not delay proactive nutrition. And for your passes, of course. Is there a place for biostimulants? I think there is. And I think the sugar beet crop, if we look over time, it's one of the crops where we've seen, um, you know, going right back to early days of, of seaweed extracts, it's one of those few crops where we seem to see consistent results. Now, I always thought there was a place for it. So I did some research um, historically and looking at data. There weren't any in the UK, but but we found some data from France. And a year ago when we we spoke about um, this French data, where we saw around a 5% increase, yield increase from the use of the biostimulant products, um, that was done in northern France. So this last year we did some split field trials on, on sugar beet. Um, and one in particular, although it was only one season, you know, let's 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 be realistic. It was one season's work. But that was a crop that had to be, you won't believe this, 
redrilled because the first crop didn't grow because it was so dry a year ago. Um, that crop was redrilled at the end of May. We then put two applications of biostimulants on uh, within that field. So we had untreated, we had a competitive biostimulant. We did one application of our Yaravita Biotrack, and then we did two applications on part of the field. And, and what we saw was, we, the first thing we noticed was we, we put an application on pre herbicide application. We then put the herbicide on 10 days later. And the area of the crop that was treated with the Biotrack showed considerably less herbicide effect on the crop. Um, which you, you would assume should happen because a herbicide is abiotic stress. It's a form of stress. Um, the interesting thing was we, we took them right through to, to harvest. We actually got um, a British sugar area manager to do all the root digs and, and take the, the sugar beet away, um, wash the sugar beet and then do sugar analysis, etc. So So we weren't involved in that. Um, and what we found was that one application of a biostimulant we got a 13.5% yield increase, sugar yield increase. Where we followed that up with a second application six weeks later, the yield increase was 25% over untreated. Now, it's one year, but actually, for me, it's very pertinent to what we're seeing this year. And, and if you put sugar beet in at £40 a tonne, the growing price for this season, that's a 12 to 1 return on investment. That's quite substantial. We don't see that very often in trials. Um, and it was field scale. You know, it wasn't small plot, so it wasn't replicated. It, it was not a scientific trial. It was a real world trial. So for me, if we look at that crop, it's different factors because it was dry versus wet. But the crop was going in the ground around the same time. Yeah. So I would definitely be be considering biostimulants this year because we have to treat what's in front of us fundamentally at least keep an open mind i suppose for potato growers it's the same challenges but with different targets to meet um, i mean not so much yield but quality in this case which is that after all what pays the bills yeah very different very different crop when, when it comes to potatoes it's all about that marketable yield uh, which is uniformity size skin finish they all have an impact to play um obviously there is no point in having uh, fantastically uniform um, bright skin finished tubers and not many of them um, so we still need to maximize the yield but it's very much marketable yield and and it's a lot to down with quality with potatoes rather than out and out yield so let's start with uniformity and size then yeah so for me the the, the key the key nutrient for potato crops when it comes to um, tuber uniformity tuber size bulking is phosphate now, there's not a lot what we can do with, with the soil phosphate. It's, it's already done because people are planting. Um, one area I think just to raise, which people may want to consider for, for next year and onwards, is the placement of phosphate. Uh, we know that with, with high fertilizer prices, people are looking to maximize that nutrition. And the best way to maximize phosphate, no matter what the crop, is to place it. So... Just something to think about for potato growers out there. Um, placing that phosphate in the ridge at planting is, is the best way to utilize it. Um, so if you are serious about growing potatoes and looking at investment, maybe your planter's due for, for an upgrade, then, then talk to us about placement of phosphate because we know from, from the historic trials we, we, we've done, we can make it more efficient. So that's a starting point, ensuring the nutrition in the soil. 
then we can move on to the use of foliophosphate. And this is something that we've done over, over many years. If we want to increase the amount of tubers we get, then applications of foliophosphate at tuber initiation are key. If then we want to increase the bulking and the size of the tubers, then the use of foliophosphate during the bulking stage is, is, is critical. And that is the most common period we see the products used. So, so yes, the seed salad crops will generally go earlier at that tuber initiation because we're not interested in bulky tubers. We just want lots of them. However, for the, for the bulk of the what I deem the wear market, whether that's pre-pack or, or, or in a bag um, or even processing potatoes, then that tuber bulking stage is a critical stage for foliophosphate. I know for skin finish, calcium has an important role to play, but only when supplied properly. Yep, indeed. And whilst we are here generally talking about foliar applications, what I would say when it comes to calcium is I would not use cal uh, foliar nutrient applications for calcium. If you want to deliver calcium, it wants to be soil applied and it wants to be applied when the crop's going to be able to utilize it most. So for that, I would recommend you know, a very much a, a soluble form of calcium. And for us, that would be um, Yara Lever Tropicote. And that should be applied at tuber initiation. And if, if you want to know more about calcium, then there is uh, webinars purely focused on calcium and potatoes on our, on our YouTube channel. Um, but calcium does not move particularly well in the plant. Certainly to try and put calcium into, into the foliage, and get it into the tuber where it's really needed, it's almost impossible. So for me, water-soluble soluble form of calcium, Tropico applied at tuber initiation, better to be slightly early than slightly late, um, because we want to ensure that there's sufficient calcium around that tuber. Um, and that can have a massive, massive role, again, on things like skin finish, uh, internal problems, so internal rust spot. It can also... Uh, help prevent bruising and ultimately it leads to less internal rots in storage so calcium again is all about quality but not foliar for me soil applied tropicote the last time we spoke about biostimulants and potatoes you mentioned experience in the low countries belgium netherlands have your views changed at all uh, likewise this was um, a bit like the sugar beet we looked at what was happening on the on the continent with with biostimulants so um, we've done replicated trials on biostimulants, so scientific trials. And in combination with the likes of uh, the MAGFOS K product, which is a foliophosphate product, the BioTrack gave positive yield responses. We also last year undertook a range of trials out in the field. So split field trials where the grower just took three hectares in the middle of a field. Um, we then went out and did trial digs. We washed the, washed the tubers up, looked at the uniformity. The one thing we saw was increased tuber uniformity, but not in all trials did we see an increase of yield. We then went back to the farms and even on there was a farm in Scotland where one field we got the yield increase, the other one we didn't. So we went back to the farm and said, well, what's the difference? Uh, one had irrigation, one didn't. So across all the trials, we got a three and a half percent yield increase. But if we took the unirrigated trials in isolation it was 5.7 percent so where water was lacking the biostimulants had a bigger impact which 
Again, people listening to this would say, well, that's obvious, isn't it? Um, yes, but the one thing I would say in the trials we did last year, we added the biostimulant products during tuber bulking where we were looking to improve this marketable yield. We wasn't looking at the function of uh, stress prevention. So had we applied them earlier, um, would we have, would we have got a bigger result? Because we did not apply them until later on in the crops crops growth cycle. So really interesting. Again, one year, but really really interesting that where we had unirrigated crops, we got the positive results. Um, the other thing I would say is we cannot forget other nutrition. So you know I would then utilize things like uh, tissue testing or PTL testing to then determine what other nutrients require. Because again, fundamentally, we get the phosphate right in the soil, we can have a look at biostimulants, we can use some foliar phosphate. But if that one limiting nutrient is manganese, um, we need to know that and we need to address it. Well, we've covered a lot in this uh, podcast, Phil, but let's summarize. What do you want folk to remember? So for sugar beet, uh, it's all about get that crop canopy growing as fast as we can. We need to maximize that, that summer sun. So proactive nutrition. Um, don't just think straight nutrients. Don't just think manganese. Don't just think magnesium. They all have a role to play. So using a multinutrient like Yara Vita Brastrol Pro fits the bill. We have to deal with the crop that's in front of us. So the use of biostimulants this year could really help alleviating that stress and promoting that growth. So again, for me, if I'm growing sugar beet, once we get to that four to six true leaf stage, an application of the, the multinutrient breast pro combined with BioTrack, the RV to BioTrack, um, that's what we would recommend with sugar beet. When it comes to potatoes, long term, think about how you're managing your phosphate in the system. Uh, is the time now to revisit placement if you're not already doing it? And, and obviously, you need to be thinking about that now to get ready for the, the, the 2024 season. Uh, when it comes to, to, to optimizing quality and skin finish, calcium, but it needs to be soil applied, tropicote, not foliar, Yarralever tropicote applied at tuber initiation. Um, when it comes to optimizing tuber size, foliar phosphate, so MagFos K from Yaravita, five litres a hectare, applied during tuber bulking, one application, two weeks later, another application. Biostimulants, finally, if you if you want to mitigate stress, then your first application needs to be on as soon as you've got a full canopy. Around three weeks after full canopy emergence, get that first application on, because it's a bit like sun cream. There is no point in putting it on after you've burnt. You've got to get it on in advance. Putting it on after you've burnt doesn't work. We all do it, but seriously, we all say we're not going to do it when we go on holiday, but we do. And the crop is the same. So if you want to mitigate stress, get your biostimulants on early uh, and then follow that up again during the tuber bulking stage, which will help improve marketable yield. For everything else, don't forget tissue testing, but use it proactively. Don't wait until you can see a problem. Get your core nutrition program set out because we need a plan. We can then tissue test and then adjust accordingly with to ensure that, again, no nutrients are lacking. Bill Burrell with his characteristic, very forthright advice. Thank you. And let's hope the weather plays ball.
I'm Ken Rundle. I'm back next time with some information for graziers. So join me then when we'll have a guest alongside our normal Yara expert. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. For more information, visit yara.co.uk or yara.ie.